pastor. Just strengthen him and fill him with spirit. We love you. In Jesus' name pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in uh, Luke chapter number 11. Of course, we're making our way through the gospel of Luke, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And tonight, we're going to look at three verses. And uh, we're looking at these three verses for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, it's just the subject. We've been going through the each uh, chapter theme by theme through the chapters, and these three verses are clustered together as one theme. But they're also extremely important uh, verses uh, that teach an extremely important lesson there in Luke chapter 11 and verse 33. Over the years, I've wondered, and uh, as, I, as, a, as my wife and I have ministered to people and dealt with people in ministry, I've often wondered why is it that some people have an inward desire to serve God and others don't? Uh, why is it that some people who used to have an inward desire to serve God lose that desire? They grow cold and hard towards the things of God. And, of course, I've always wondered and I've often thought about how can we get people who are cold and hard towards the things of God and, as we've saying tonight, revive them, uh, allow them to have a burning uh, within from the Spirit of God. And tonight, as we look at these few verses, Luke chapter 11, verses 33, 34, 35, and 36, I think you'll find the answer to those, to those questions. You'll see why it is that some people have an inward desire to serve God and others don't, how it is that some people get there, and why it is that some people lose it. If you're there in Luke chapter 11, if you look down at verse number 33, you'll see the theme of those four verses, the Bible says, No man, when he lighteth a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. Now, if you're familiar with the New Testament, that verse there should sound extremely familiar. In fact, this entire passage should sound familiar because in Verse 34, the Bible says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Now, your mind may uh, go to a certain application when you think about this verse regarding the light. And if you're taking notes tonight, I want to give you three thoughts in regards to these verses. The first, if you want to just jot down a heading, we're going to talk about the light and I don't want you to look at Luke 11.33 and just assume that you know what's being referred to here in Luke 11.33 because Luke 11.33, if you're familiar with the gospel, sounds a lot like a passage in uh, Matthew chapter 5. And in the book of Matthew, of course, we've got that famous Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5, 6, and 7. And in chapter 5, Jesus pretty much word for word said the same thing he said here in Luke 11:33. yet he made a different application at that time. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Now, you might be wondering and asking, you know, why would we not just make that same application that he made in Matthew chapter 5? And the reason is because verse 34 of Luke 11:34 is also quoted in Matthew, but not chapter 5. It's quoted in chapter 6. So I want you to understand that we've got two verses that are combined in Luke chapter 11, 33 and 34, and they are quoted in the book of Matthew, but in the, in the book of Matthew, both verses are quoted in different contexts. One in Matthew chapter 5 having to do uh, with the Christian testimony and the testimony of a Christian, the other having to do with serving two masters. And you might find that confusing or think that's confusing, but I want to help you understand uh, this idea of the light. In the Bible, there are, and this might feel a lot like a Bible study. It's Wednesday night Bible study. That's what we're here for. I'm definitely going to make some applications uh, at the end of the sermon, so just hang tight for that. But let me just say this. In the Bible, the word light or the, the subject of light is used uh, to give us all sorts of different analogies. Light is used as different analogies uh, throughout the Bible is used to represent, to represent multiple things uh, throughout the Bible. So just because you see the word light, like if your mind just goes to Matthew 5, you know, let your light so shine before men, 
you might think, oh, that's what this verse is about. But you need to understand that light represents multiple things throughout Scripture. And let's just quickly run some verses so I can prove that to you. You're there in Luke. Uh, just flip over to John chapter 8, just one book over to John chapter 8. Let me just quickly give you uh, all the different representations of light. And you, you may or may not remember this, but uh, I don't know if it was a couple of years ago maybe or maybe a year, year and a half ago. On a Sunday morning, I preached a series called Shine as Lights, and we spent three weeks actually going through all of the passages in the New Testament regarding light, and the reason that we were able to spend three weeks studying that out is because light represents a lot of different things in the Bible, and I'll just quickly kind of run through some of these things. The first thing, and probably the most well-known thing, is that light represents the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible. Light is a representation of Jesus in the Bible. You're there in John chapter 8, look at verse 12. Notice what the Lord Jesus Christ said. The Bible says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, Notice what he said. He said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So Jesus says, I am the light. In fact, in John, we've got seven of those great I am statements. I am the way. I am the door. He says, I am the light. Uh, so I am the resurrection. That's one of the great I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. You're there in John 8. Flip over to John chapter 9. Look at verse 5. John chapter 9 and verse 5. Jesus says, as long as I am in the world, he says, I am the light of the world. Go to John chapter 12. You're there in John 9. Just flip over to John chapter 12. Look at verse 46, John 12, 46. He says, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So I want you to notice that light represents uh, the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible, and we could go to other passages. I'm not going to take the time to do that, but some proof text for you are there. John 8, 12, John 9, 5, John 12, 46. That's not it, though. Go back. Go to Matthew chapter 5, if you would. Matthew chapter 5. You're there in John. Just flip back past the book of Luke, past the book of Mark, into the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5. And then, of course, we've got the passage that I was referring to from the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 5 and verse 14, we see that light not only represents the Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible, but light at times also represents Christians in the Bible. Matthew 5, 14, notice what Jesus said. He said, ye are the light of the world. So he said, I am the light of the world. And then he looked at his disciples and said, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, he tells us that uh, we are the light of the world. And specifically, how that looks or how are we the light of the world or what are the characteristics of us being light in the light of the world fall under three categories. The first is that we are the light of the world and that we shine our light through our Christian testimony. You're, again, there in Matthew 5, look at verse 15. Now, verse 15 should sound very familiar to what we read in Luke chapter 11. Neither do men light a candle, but put it under a bushel, uh, and, and, excuse me, and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. That's pretty much word for word, Luke 11. But yet, here in Matthew 5, he gives us a different application. Here's the application, verse 16. He says, Because men light a candle and don't put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all them that are in the house. He says, Because of that, let your light so shine before men. What does that mean? How do I let my light shine before men? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So when we live a life of good works, now we're not saved by good works. This is not a salvation uh, 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 message here. This is already for people that are already light. They're already saved. We are to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. But that's not it. You're there in Matthew. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And, and I, I, I'm going through this a little quickly, and it might seem real basic, but I want you to just understand. Jesus is represented as light. He said, I am the light of the world. And then he said, ye are the light of the world. Christians are the light of the world. How are we the light of the world? In one way, we're the light of the world because of our good works, because of our Christian testimony. But in another way, we're a, uh, the light of the world because of our soul-winning efforts. Notice there, 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4. 
2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible says this, in whom the God of this world, referring to Satan, that's a lowercase g, God, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. So notice, the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. And notice the connections between being blinded and your mind. Blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So here, and again, we could look at a lot of other examples. I'm not going to take the time to do that. But we see an example that one way that we shine our light, we saw in Matthew 5, is through our good works. Another way that we shine the light is through soul winning and preaching the gospel and, and, and uh, having people see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, that should shine unto them that they might believe. But that's not the only way to shine your light. Go to Ephesians, Ephesians 5. You're there in 2 Corinthians. You're going to go past Galatians into the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter number 5. When you get to Ephesians, do me a favor and put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back uh, to Ephesians or to that area of the Bible. And I'd like you to be able to get there quickly. Ephesians chapter 5, notice verse 13. But all things are reproved. What does it mean to reprove something? It means to, to, to correct it. It means to say that it's wrong. All things are reproved, excuse me, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. And whatsoever doth make manifest is light. So another way that we shine our light is by preaching against sin. When we reprove sin, we make it manifest by the light. And again, we could spend a whole sermon analyzing that idea and going through that. The Bible tells us in, in John that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So how do we shine the light? Because Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. How do we shine the light? We shine it through our, our Christian testimony that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. He said, let your light so shine before men. We shine our light by preaching the gospel that because the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. And we shine the light by preaching the light of God's word and making it manifest against sin that uh, all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. All right, now go back to Luke chapter 11. And the reason I brought all that up is, is, is to, to make this point. You can't just assume when you see the word light, that you know what that's referring to. You have to actually read the verse and look at the context to understand what's being talked about. Because somebody might look at, you know, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 and talk about shining the glorious light and say, well, in Matthew 5, it says that it's your good work. So that's lifestyle evangelism. No, it's not lifestyle evangelism. Now, your lifestyle should match your evangelism, uh, but we're supposed to shine our lights by both living a good life and also preaching the gospel and also preaching against sin. Uh, we're that, and that's what it means for us to be the light. But remember, Jesus said, ye are the light of the world, and then he also said, I am the light of the world. Now, who is Jesus referring to in Luke eleven thirty three when he says, no man, when he lighteth a candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, the word bushel means a container, but on a candlestick that they which come in may see the light. Because he, he's making this point and saying, look, nobody lights a, a, a candle and then hides it, puts it somewhere where nobody's going to see it, or puts it under a bushel. And you know that's true. You don't walk into a room and turn the lamp on and then put a towel over it. The whole point of turning a light on is that it might give light that they which come in may see the light. So who is Jesus referring to? Or what is Jesus referring to when he talks about this light shining unto uh, the world? Now, I want you to understand the context, all right? We've been going through Luke chapter 11. We've been going through it for several weeks, and we've, I, I've taught through all of it. But I want to just quickly remind you of what it is that is going on in this chapter and why it is that Luke felt the need to cluster it all together and put it all together. Now, if you remember when we started in Luke chapter 11, if you look at the first part of Luke chapter 11, in verses 1 through 13, Jesus taught on the subject of prayer. Remember, the disciples came and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I preached the whole sermon on that. Then in verses 14, 15, and 16... In those three verses, we saw one accusation and one questioning of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just look at it real quickly, Luke eleven fourteen. The Bible says, and he, this is referring to Jesus, was casting out devils and it was dumb. And it came to pass, when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, 
and the people wondered. The people were impressed. They were in wonder at this. And because of the Pharisees' envy, here comes the false accusations because he cast out this devil and the people were in wonder or they wondered, verse 15. But some of them said, so here's the accusation. He casted out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils, all right? So they, there's an attack. There's two attacks. One is an accusation. One is a questioning against Christ. The first is that he cast out devils by the chief of the devils. So as a result of that accusation, in verses 17 through 26, Jesus taught on the subject of casting out devils. I preached a whole sermon on that on a, on a Sunday morning a couple of weeks ago, the chief of the devils. We looked at that. But then I want you to notice that in verse 16, here's the questioning against Jesus and others. So different people than the ones that accused him of casting out devils through Beelzebub, and others tempting him sought of him a sign from heaven. So here's another group questioning Jesus, and they say, okay, yeah, you've cast out devils, and yeah, you've, you've healed the sick, and yeah, you've, you've done these miracles, but that's not enough. We want a sign from you. We want to see another sign. And if you remember, as a result of that questioning, Jesus taught in Luke 11, 27 through 32, about the sign of the prophet Jonas. Remember, we talked about that last Wednesday night. He talked about how he was greater than Jonas, and he talked about the sign and how the only sign you're going to get is a sign of Jonas and that he was greater than Jonas and that he was greater than Solomon. I'm I'm making all these points to help you understand that these are not just random stories just kind of clustered together. There's a reason why Jesus taught on these things. He's answering his critics, and he's answering the accusations and the questions that they're laying against him. Now, with that said, I want you to understand that when Jesus begins in Luke eleven thirty three, because it might seem a little random, like he just starts talking about the light, he's actually continuing to answer this question to these group, this group of people that are accusing him and are questioning him. Both are not believing on him. They're not believing in him. They're saying, yeah, you cast out devils, but we're not impressed because you're doing it by the chief of the devils, by Beelzebub. And the other group says, yeah, you cast out devils, but we're not impressed. We need another sign. We need to see another sign. And Jesus is going to deal with these people's unbeliefs. And he says to these two groups, the group accusing him and the group questioning, verse 33, no man, when he has lit, uh, when he lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick that they may come in, that they which come in may see the light. You say, well, what do you think that's referring to? What, what is he referring to? Why does he bring up this parable or this analogy in regards to light? Well, I believe, and I'm going to prove it to you uh, from the context, that when Jesus makes this statement in verse 33, when he, no man, when he lighted the candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. I believe that he's actually referring to himself. Because remember, he said, I am the light of the world. And these people are saying, give us a sign. Give us a sign to prove that you are who you say you are. And Jesus is saying to these people, he's saying, you've got all the signs you need. You've got all the light you need. He says, I am the light of the world. And he says, I'm not hiding. No man, when he lighted the candle, putteth it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that they which come in may see the light. He said, you are they which have came in, and you've seen the light. He says, I am the light. You're asking for a sign. You're, asking, you're making these accusations and questioning who I am. And he says, I am the light of the world. And he's telling them, you have received all the light that you need. But there's a problem. Though they've seen the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, I am the light of the world. Though they've seen the light, they don't believe. Though they've seen the light, they're not acknowledging it. And in that context, Jesus begins to teach us why it is that though they've seen the light, the light has had no effect on them. So we saw, number one, the light. We saw that there are different analogies for light used throughout the Bible. One is a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Another is a representation of Christians. Another is a representation of our testimony, good works. Another is a representation of preaching the gospel. Another is a representation of preaching uh, against sin. Those are all analogies used in the Bible regarding light. And then we have this specific analogy in Luke eleven thirty three, 33. And 
I believe it is a representation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you really, you say, why are you making such a big deal about this? And here's why I'm, I'm making a big deal about it. It's because in order for you to understand the next three verses, you have to understand that. That Jesus is the light, and he's telling these people, you want to see a sign? You want to question me? You want to accuse me? You want me to do something else to prove to you that I am who I said I am? He says, I am the light. I'm not hiding. You've already seen all the light. He says, this is all the light you're going to get. And this is all the light you need. See, the problem was not with the light. He says, no man lighteth a candle and hideth it under a bushel. He says, this light is not hiding. He says, the problem's not with the light. You say, what's the problem with? Here's point number two, the eye. He says, the problem here is not the light. The problem is the eye. Now notice what he says there in verse 34. He says, the light of the body is the eye. He says, no man lighteth a candle and hideth it. I'm not hiding. I'm on a candlestick. I, you have came in and you have seen the light. He says, but let me explain to you, Pharisees, what your problem is. He says, the light of the body is the eye. Now, I want you to understand that little phrase, the light of the body is the eye. He's not saying that your eye is a light that lights the body. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that the light that comes into our body comes in through the eye. He says the eye is like a, you, you, you say, I don't understand. Think about it this way. Think about a building or a structure or just a house. He says the eye is like a window in a house. How does light come into a house? It comes in through a window. He says the light of the body is the eye. That would be the same way of saying the light that comes into a house is through the window. He says the light of the body is the eye. And please understand this. He's talking about your physical eye. And that's definitely an application, and I'm going to make that application later on in the sermon. But he's not only talking about your physical eye. He's using the eye as a reference for that which you focus on. Not just your physical eye, although absolutely your physical eyes apply to this, but your mind's eye. Your, the, the, the thing in which, the, 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 the way that you look out, you say, if I was in a house, how would I look out into the world? You'd look out through a window. See, we look out of a house through a window. We bring light into a house through a window. And he says, your eyes are the windows of this body called the temple of the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, or this tabernacle of dirt uh, of a human being. He says, the eye is like a window that allows the light into the house. That's what that phrase, Luke eleven thirty four means. The light of the body is the eye. So notice what he says. Therefore, so he, and I'm taking my time to explain this because Jesus is making, he's building upon his statements and he's making a point here. He says, look, there's light. The candle's been lit. No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. You want a sign and you want to accuse me, but you've got all the light you're going to get and you've got all the light you need. He says, the problem's not the light. The problem is your eye. So, all right. He says, your eye is like a window that can allow light into the body. He says the light of the body is the eye. And he says when you understand that, he says, therefore, when thine eye is single. I've often heard people ask, like, what, is, what do you think Jesus means by this word single? What is the reference here? Is there some sort of spiritual connotation? Look, here's what he means by the word single. Single. It's, it's one as opposed to two. You know, if you're not married, you're single. That's what he means. He says, therefore, when thine eye is single, the whole body also is full of light. You say, I don't understand. Here's what he's saying. When you and I and any other human being on this earth, when our eye physically, but not just physically, our mind's eye, Remember, we saw in 2 Corinthians that the God of this world hath blinded the minds of the unsaved. So you can be blind and that affects your mind. We're talking about spiritually. He says, when your eye is singularly focused on 
the light. Who's the light? The Lord Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world. When your eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. When you are singularly focused on Jesus, you will be full of the light of Jesus. When your eyes are single, they're singularly focused. This is what the Bible teaches all throughout. Let's run some verses real quickly. Go back to Luke chapter 10. You say, okay, so when it says, when therefore thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. Yes. You say, what's the application? What's the teaching? Here's the application. When you are singularly focused on Jesus, you will be full of light. When you are single, when your eyes physically and mentally, your, your, your mind's eye is focused on Jesus, your whole body is also full of light. Luke 10. Remember Luke 10? We saw this uh, several weeks ago, the story of Mary and Martha. Remember what Jesus said? Because remember, he says, Therefore, when thine, eye is, when thine eye is single, the whole body also is full of light. Notice what Jesus told, uh, uh, told Mary and Martha uh, here in, 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 in Luke 10, 41, specifically Martha. He says, remember the story of Mary and Martha? Mary uh, was, was sitting at Jesus' feet, and Martha was upset because she wasn't helping her get things ready. Verse 41, and, and Martha wanted Jesus to tell Mary to get up and stop listening and communing with him and to help her. Luke 10, 41, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about, notice these words, many things. You say, he, he says, look, Martha, you know what your problem is? You're careful. The word careful means you're anxious. You're, you're worried about. You're carrying this care. He says, you're careful, he says, and troubled about many things. You say, what is, what is the emphasis on the many things? He says, it's not one thing, singular. You're worried about many things. Notice what he says in verse 42. Here's the contrast. But one thing is needful. He says, you're worried about a lot of things, but you only need one thing. He says, you're, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. What's he saying? So he's saying, if thine eye is single, thy whole body shall be full of light. He says, look, you only need to be worried about one thing. You only need your eyes focused on a singular thing. You're worried about many things. Your mind's eye is focused and anxious and caring and troubled about many things. He says, but one thing is needful. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. If you kept your place in Ephesians, remember I asked you to keep your place in Ephesians? Right after Ephesians, you have the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 3. Some of you already know where I'm going with this, but let's look at it. Philippians 3, 13. Because remember, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. These Pharisees are accusing him and saying, well, you're doing this by Beelzebub. Give us a sign. He says, I'm the light. I'm already here. You're not going to get any more light. I'm not going to give you. He told them, you're going to get one sign, the sign of the prophet Jonas. My death, burial, and resurrection is the only sign you're going to get because you already have the light. He says, the problem's not with the light. The problem's with your eyes. What's wrong with your eye? What's wrong with your eye is that when your eye is singularly focused on Jesus, you will be full of light. That's why he tells Mary, one thing is needful. That's why Paul said in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, don't miss it, but this one thing I do. You say, what, what, what did Paul mean by this one thing I do? Here's what Paul meant. Mine eye is single. I am singularly focused on one thing. He says, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, he says, I press toward the mark of the, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hey, he says, look, I'm focused on one thing. Uh, Jesus told uh, Martha, one thing is needful. The teaching is this. You say, how do, how do I get right with God? How do I be right with God? How do I be full of light? Here's how you're full of light. When your eye is single. Singularly focus on the light. Here's what he's saying. Therefore, when thine eye is single, the whole body also is full of light. So he says, you, you, you can't have double vision. You, you got to be singularly focused on one thing. You don't have to turn here. You can go back to Luke 11. Let me just read this to you, James 1.8. This is why James said, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Double-minded. You can't be double-minded and, and, and be full of light. 
How can I be full of light? You got to have singular focus. This one thing I do. One thing is needful. I, I, my light is not a source of, of light, but my eyes can bring, my physical eyes and my mind's eye can bring light into my body when I focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the whole body also is full of light. But here's the contrast. Look at verse 34 again. The light of the body is the eye. Not that the eye is the source of light, but that's how we allow light, just like a window allows light into, obviously Jesus said this before, you know, modern electricity. <laughs> just like you would allow light into your house through a window, he says, we allow light into our body through our eye. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the light, when thine eye is single, the whole body is full of light. But, here's the reverse, here's the contrast. But, when thine eye is evil, you say, what does that mean? When, you're, when there's something wrong with your eye, when you can't get your eye focused singularly, it's the opposite of single. It's that double vision. It's that blurry vision. It's that vision where you're focusing on many things troubled Martha about many things. But when thine eye is evil, don't miss it, the body also is full of darkness. You don't have to turn here. I'll just read this for you. Lamentations 3.51. Here's how Jeremiah said it. He said, mine eye affecteth mine heart. You say, but I'm full of light. I love God and I'm right with God and I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner like anybody else. But there's something in me. There's a fire in me. I'm right with the Lord and I love the Lord and I love God's word and I love God's people and I'm excited about it. I just feel this burning of the Holy Spirit in me. You only get there one way, by having your eyes singularly focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, I'm not right with God. I'm cold inside. I've grown dark. It's because you're not focused on Jesus. It's because your eye is evil. It's because your eyes focus on the wrong thing. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. So we saw, number one, the light. What was it? The different analogies of the light. Jesus, Christians, good works, soul winning, preaching against sin. We saw the specific analogy of light in Luke eleven thirty three, 33, which is Jesus saying, you want a sign? You want me to give you more light? I've given you all the light you're going to get. The problem's not the light. The problem's your eye. So we saw number two, the eye. What's the eye? The eye is the window that allows light into the soul. And when your eye is singularly focused, single, uh, focus on the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, then the inside is full of light. But when your eye is evil, then the inside is full of darkness. Now, all of that was Jesus' setup to the application. Let's make our way to this application. Actually, before we do that, go, go, go to Matthew real quickly. Matthew chapter 6. The application is in verse 35, but let me just show you something real quickly in Matthew chapter 6. Because there's a third thing being taught here, talked about, and it's darkness. Now, in Matthew chapter 6, we're going to see the same verses that we saw in Luke eleven thirty-four. And remember, people will, often, people will act like, oh, these are contradictions, because in, in Matthew, he said, he quoted part of this verse in chapter 5 and part of this church and verse in chapter 6, and they had different applications. But then in Luke, he quotes the same thing in verse 33 of chapter 11 and, the same, and, and another thing in verse 34. This is a contradiction. Luke made a mistake or Matthew made a mistake. There's no mistake here. Okay, Jesus just said the same thing two different times. People who make those arguments, you just realize they don't go to church. Because, you know, when you go to church, you know what you realize? Pastors and preachers, they say the same thing a lot. And we do it on purpose because you need to hear it a lot. So Jesus is, is using the same analogies, but he, he's using them in different times, and he's making different applications. He's using the same illustration of light, but he's making different applications. In Matthew 5... He pretty much quotes that in Luke eleven thirty three, 33. But in Matthew 5, it's about good works. Then in Matthew 6, he quotes the same thing in Luke eleven thirty four, 34, but that's a different application. Now, notice the application. Notice what he says in Matthew 6, 22. It's, it's the same thing we just talked about, Matthew 6, 22. The light of the body is the eye. Again, not that the eye is a source of light, 
but light comes in through the eye like, wind, like light comes in through a window of a house. If therefore thine eye be single, singularly focused, this one thing I do, one thing is needful, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body is full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. Now up to that point, that's pretty much the exact same thing that it says in Luke eleven thirty three. The reason I brought you to Matthew 6 is because in Matthew 6, there's a little more information given and that I want you to notice what he says. Look at the last part of verse 23. If therefore the light that is in thee is, is darkness. So he's talking about if your eye be evil. He says, look, you get two choices. You get to have a single eye, an eye singularly focused on the light, or you can have an evil light, an evil eye. Now, in both instances, you may think that you are focusing in on light, bringing light into your body. But he says, Jesus says, that's not the case. Notice the last part of verse 23. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now again, this is why we understand that he's not speaking physically here. Because here's what Jesus said. If your eye is single, you're bringing light into your body, into your mind, your soul, who you are. And your body is full of light. And it's the right light, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. But if your mind is evil, he says you might think you're bringing light into the world, but you're actually bringing light into your body, but you're actually bringing darkness. And he says, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? Now you say, well, how could it be that somebody could be thinking that they're bringing light into their body and they're actually bringing darkness into their body? How can that be? Well, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you kept your place in Ephesians, after Ephesians, you have the book of Galatians, and after Galatians, you have the book of, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, if you go backwards, before Ephesians, you have Galatians, and before Galatians, you have 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you kept your place in Ephesians, go backwards, Galatians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11. Notice what the Bible says about Satan. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. for such are false prophets, false prophets, deceitful workers, Remember those, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. He says, look, there are people out there who are false prophets and deceitful workers, but they transform themselves into the apostles of Christ. They look, he says, they're a devil, but they look like they're good. You say, who's he talking about? Uh, I don't know, Joel Osteen? I don't know, the Pope? I don't know, every false prophet out there? For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Verse 14, he says, and no marvel. He says, that should not take you for a loop. That you should not be like, wow, I, I can't believe that. I can't believe that somebody could look that good and be evil. He says, no marvel. Here's why it shouldn't surprise you. For Satan himself is transformed into an angel of, don't miss it, light. He's transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. So here's what Paul tells us, that Satan is transformed into an angel of light. Two, two different light sources. Because remember, Satan always wants to copy. He's always a copycat of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he does. So Jesus comes to this earth and he says, I am the light of the world. And Satan says, well, I'll transform myself into an angel of light. And he's Lucifer, the light bearer. But here's what Jesus says. There is some light that's actually darkness. Go, go back to Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse 22 again. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, singularly focused on the true light, the Lord Jesus Christ, the whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, meaning you've got the cataracts, your du the double vision, and I'm not speaking physically, I'm saying spiritually, but that's the analogy that's being made. The double vision, the blurry vision, the blindness. If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. But, he, but you said, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not bringing darkness, I'm bringing light. He says, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? He said, you might think you're bringing light into your body, but you're actually bringing darkness. And he says, you know, when darkness is really dark, when you think it's light. 
When you think you're bringing light into your body and you're actually bringing darkness, you are bringing light, but it's the Satan who's transformed into an angel of light. He says, how great is that darkness? Now, notice how the Bible is consistent, right? If thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Notice what he says. If your body's full of the right light, you're single, you're single. This one thing I do, one thing is needful. You're not the double-minded man. You're singularly focused on Christ. But if you're focused on the wrong thing, that's going to cause you to be the opposite of single. Notice the context, verse 24. Here's the context, Matthew 6, 24. We just saw it in verses 22 and 23 about your eye being evil or single. And if it's evil, here's what happens, verse 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. He cannot serve God and mammon. You say, why is it that some people struggle with, I want to serve Jesus, but I also want to serve drugs, or I want to serve Jesus, but I also want to serve alcohol, or I want to serve Jesus, but I also want to be covetous, I want to serve Jesus, but I also want to be world. Why do people, why do people try to serve two masters? Here's why. Because they're not singularly focused. Because their eye is evil, and they're bringing what they think is light into this world, but it's actually darkness into their body, but it's actually darkness. And Jesus says, if therefore the light that is in thee is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, when you allow light into your body, which is actually darkness, how can that be? Well, Satan's darkness is made to look like light then you will be the opposite of singularly focused. You will try to serve two masters. You'll be the double-minded man that's unstable in all his ways. See, whatever you focus on will consume you. This is why some people are consumed by God. I don't understand. How can they be so consumed? They're so right with God. They just love the Lord. You just tell them they really love God. You know why? Because they're consumed with God. And other people are covetous because they're consumed with covetousness. Other people are worldly because they're consumed with worldliness. Other people, you see, it, it all depends what it is that you're allowing through your eyes. You say physically? Yes, physically, absolutely. But more than that, in your mind's eye. Go back to Luke eleven thirty-five. Luke eleven thirty-five. Here's the application. Take heed. Jesus says, with, with all that said, Jesus says, I spent all that time building all this up, okay? You're asking for signs. You're accusing me that I'm not who I say I am. You want me to give you more signs to prove where I am? He says, I'm not going to give you a sign. I'm going to give you the sign of the prophet Jonas. A greater than Jonas is here. I'm going to talk to you about the casting out devils. I'm going to talk to you about Solomon. But if you want a sign, realize something. I am the light of the world. God did not light a candle and place it under a bushel. I am right here. I am all the light you need. I'm all the light you're going to get. The problem with this situation, Pharisees, is not the light. It's the eye. It's that your eye is not singularly focused on the light, and your body is not full of light, but your eye is evil, and you're singularly focused on the false light of Satan, and the light that is in you is actually darkness. And Jesus says, all of that is the context to this one application. Ready? Here we go. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. He says, look, when you understand all the things that I've just spent the last 44 minutes explaining to you, when you understand that your eye is the window that allows certain light into your body, into your mind, into your soul, not just physically, although yes, physically, but also the mind's eye, and that you could also allow what you think is light but is actually darkness, and depending on what kind of light you light in, you're either going to be singularly focused on the Lord Jesus Christ or you're going to be trying to serve two masters. Jesus says when you understand all of that, that lays the context for this one application. When you get that you must take heed that the light which is in thee, the light that you're letting in, the light that's coming in to your body, to your mind, to your soul, you better make sure it's not darkness. Say, why? Because if the whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle 
doth give the light. So here's what he's saying. Your eye. And Jesus is focusing on the eye, but it's not just your eye. Your eyes and your ears are the gateway into your mind and into your heart and into your soul. And what you allow to come in through those eyes and what you allow to come in through those ears will have an effect on the inside. You say, I feel so cold. I feel backslidden. I want to quit on God. I want to, you know, I just don't feel like I'm right with God. It's because you've been laying a lot of crap into your life. How can I feel close to Jesus? Focus on Jesus. How can I feel full of light? Focus on light. Now, now all of that's nice and good. Let's, let's make some specific application now. Go to Job. You open your Bible just right in the center. We're almost done. I got 10 minutes, all right? We're good. Open your Bible right in the center. You're more than likely to find the book of Psalms. Right before Psalms, you have the book of Job. Job 31. What are you focusing your eyes on? What are you focusing your eyes on? Your physical eyes and your mind's eye. What are you focusing it on? Because what you focus it on is what you're going to be full of. And if you're focusing it on darkness, how great is that darkness? That's, that's, I mean, Jesus, it's funny because he doesn't, he just says, I can't, how great is that darkness? He says, wash that window. Replace that window. Let some light into your life. Because if the light that's in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You say, what are the things that we can focus on with our eyes? Well, here's one thing that you can focus on physically with your eyes. Lustful images. And this, of course, is maybe a greater temptation for men than women. But women, I'm sure, struggle with this too. Job 31.1. Notice what Job says. Job 31.1. He says, I made a covenant. What's a covenant? A covenant is an agreement. It's a, it's a contract you sign. He said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Now, notice the connection. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why? Because what I look at in my eyes will affect my mind. He says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Job said, I'm very careful to not allow lustful images through the window of my eyes. Because if I allow them into my eyes, I will allow them into my mind. And they will, re- they, they will, it will become darkness inside of you. You, you, you young men, and all, all men, all men. But you, you need to make a decision that you will make a covenant with your eyes. We, we live in a society today where it's just, it's, it's just way too easy to have access to pornography and lustful images. It's just too easy to have access to these things. But Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes because I want to protect my mind. Why then should I think it upon a maid? Jesus said it this way. You don't have to turn there. You go to Psalm 101. Psalm 101. Jesus said, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after hath committed adultery with her already. Notice the connection. Already in his heart. By the way, the thought of foolishness is sin. And by the way, nobody wakes up one day and just commits adultery on their wife. Nobody wakes up one day and they're just a heroin addict. All these things begin in your mind. They begin in your heart. They begin to develop in your heart. This is why Jesus said that out of the heart cometh adultery, fornication. He said all the sinful things come out of your heart. Your heart is producing those things. He says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs tells us guard your heart. You say, how do I guard my heart? You guard your eyes. Guide the windows that allow light into your heart and into your mind. Because if you allow light, what you think, you say, but I like it. But it's darkness. And then you'll wonder why darkness comes over your whole being. And you begin to think of women a certain way, which you shouldn't be thinking of. Objectify them. You say, why is that? Because when the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So you must protect against lustful images, but that's not it. There's other things, other ways that the devil attacks your eyes. How about worldly entertainment? Psalm 101, look at verse 3. Psalm 101 and verse 3. Notice what he says. He says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. He said, I'm going to go down to the movie theater and watch that Hollywood movie. 
You're allowing, you said, but I like it. I think it's nice. It's really entertaining. It's all the flashy lights, all the flashy lights. They're amazing. Look, you're allowing light into your heart, which is darkness. And then you wonder why I just don't feel like reading the Bible. I just don't feel like, you, you used to listen to preaching for entertainment. You used to spend time with God's people for entertainment. Now you're watching all the Hollywood movies and all the Hollywood filth and you wonder why inside you just feel so cold, inside you just feel so dark. You know why you feel dark? Because you've been letting darkness in your, whole, in your body. The light that you've been letting in, that flickering light at the movie, I don't know if they still flicker, I'm not sure. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Notice what he says. You say, that's not about Hollywood movies. It it sure looks like it is. I hate the work of them that turn aside. I hate the work of the Hollywood actor. I hate the work of the celebrities. I hate the work of, of the people whose work is to turn people aside. To turn them down the wrong path. He said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Here's all I'm telling you. You sit there and you watch your worldly entertainment and you allow it all in. You're going to watch every movie the world puts out. Then you wonder why. I don't know why. I mean, I just feel like other people, they just love God. I just don't. It's because you're full of darkness. It's because you're trying to serve two masters. Lustful images, worldly entertainment. How about this one? You're there in Psalm 101. Wicked influencers. Isn't that the world we live in today? Everyone's an influencer. It's funny because they all say they're an influencer. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to influence you. They're literally telling you. Look, now I'm all for influencing people. Leadership is influence. I'm trying to influence you right now. I'm not against, you say, are you against people trying to influence? I'm not against light. Just make sure you're getting the right light. Just make sure you're getting the influence from the Word of God. But listen to me. When you go on YouTube, when you go on uh, Apple Podcasts, when you go on Spotify and, and listen to your little Joe Rogan podcast, that's not light. You think, oh, that's light. I'm allowing light. He's telling me all the things about the vaccines and all the things about Donald Trump. I don't know what he talks about. I've never, I, don't even, I couldn't even pick him out from a lineup. I don't know who he is. But I'm going to preach against them. You know why? Because Christians listen to that garbage and they think they're getting light and then they wonder why they don't want to read their Bibles. They wonder why they struggle with church attendance. They wonder why they don't want to serve God and love God and be faithful to their wife. And Because you're listening to some Joe Rogan talking about drinking alcohol and smoking pot. And then you wonder why, like, oh, I kind of feel like I want to drink alcohol. Well, yeah, because you're listening to all these YouTube influencers. I kind of feel like I want to get a tattoo because you're listening to all the, watching all these YouTube influencers, the Joe Rogans, the Tim Ferriss. I don't know who these people are. I had Brother Oliver write me a list. (laughs) Sam Harris. Uh, There's other ones here. I don't even pronounce their names. You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Hey, be be careful about all these people that you're allowing to influence you. Are they godly Christians that love the Lord, soul-winning Christians that are, are, are encouraging you to love God? It's just a bunch of YouTube garbage. Look, I, I'm all for using YouTube to reach people with the gospel, but let me tell you something. You, when YouTube kicked Pastor Anderson off and, and Pastor Mejia and me off, it got a lot worse. That, that light... Look, and I'm all for you listen to Bible-believing pastors, and there's good pastors on YouTube, and I'm not, I'm not saying that. But you better make sure that the podcast you're listening to, the preaching you're listening to, the audio that you're listening to, the stuff that you're allowing to come into your heart, you better make sure it's not a bunch of covetous crap. A bunch of people just telling you to love money and to just give your life for money. And then you wonder why I'm so covetous, and all I care about is money, and I don't love the Lord anymore. Because that's the light you're letting in. And if the light that is in you is darkness, how? He said, how dark is that darkness? The lustful images, the worldly entertainment, the wicked influencers. Here's what the psalmist said, Psalm 101.4. A forward heart shall depart from me. He said, I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart. Look, don't listen to proud people. Don't listen to arrogant people. Oh, well, I, I like all his politics. Yeah, but he's a proud jerk. And then you wonder why you're a proud jerk. Because you're letting that stuff in, influence you. 
He said, well, what should I pay attention to? Verse 6, mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land. How about put your eyes on faithful people, God's people, people that are encouraging you with the things of God, people that are encouraging you with the right type of light. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. You say, what, what are you letting into your eye gate? What are you letting into your eyes? Lustful images, worldly, Hollywood movies and entertainment, going down to the movie theater, watching a bunch of Hollywood crap, a bunch of Hollywood garbage. Wicked influencers with your little podcasts and all your YouTube shows, a bunch of wicked people. You say, oh, well, they're, they're this and they're that. And look, and I'm not saying, that I'm sure there's good people on YouTube or wherever. And they teach you, you know, about organizing ladies, whatever. I'm not preaching about that. But if they're cussing every other word when they're teaching you about organizing, you should find somebody else. If they're telling you about how they left their husband and they're, a bunch of, you're just a whore and committing adultery, then you need to find somebody else to help you with that. You understand what I'm saying? Look, I'm all for reading books and, and learning and growing, but don't just allow anything to influence your mind. Guard your heart. Wicked influencers. How about this? Covetous images. Psalm 119.37. Psalm 119.37. Notice what the psalmist said. Psalm 119.37. Turn away mine eyes. Don't miss it. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Vanity. I think I'm going to subscribe to Vanity Fair. No, no, no. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. And quicken thou me in thy way. Look, we live in this covetous culture. People literally spend their entertainment is just going through social media and just watching other people's whatever. Cars, remodels, houses, food. Hey, you know, what are you allowing? And then you wonder why you're not content. I'm not content with the house that God has given me. I'm not content with the job that God has given me. I'm not content with the wife that God has given me or the husband that God has given me. I'm not content. What's because you keep looking at everybody else's things? The psalmist said, turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity. Here, I'm just, look, here's all I'm telling you. is whatever you allow through your eyes physically and your mind's eye, whatever you allow through your ears, it's going to have an effect on you. You're either going to be full of light or you're going to be full of darkness. Go to Proverbs chapter 20. We'll finish up right here. Proverbs chapter 20. Look at verse 12. Proverbs 20 and verse 12. Proverbs 20 and verse 12. Remember I told you Satan is a copycat? That is true. All, you, can, you can take that thought any which way with Satan, and you'll find that he's constantly copying God. Proverbs 20 and 12. The hearing ear, the hearing ear, your ear gate, it allows things into your mind. And the seeing eye, your eye gate, that allows light into your soul. The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. You know what God is? You say, well, who gave me these eyes and these ears? You know God gave you those eyes? And God gave you those ears? You say, why did God give you eyes? So you could read the Bible. Why did God give you ears so you could listen to preaching? Why did God give you eyes and ears that you might open, that you might be singularly focused on that which is good and that which is true and that which is righteous and that which is holy, that you might be able to focus on God, that you might open the windows of your body, of the temple, of the Holy Ghost, and allow that which is godly, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, into your body, and your body will be full of light. But Satan says, no, no, I'm going to take those ears and I'm going to take those eyes and I'm just going to put a bunch of garbage in there. I'll give you light, but it's actually darkness. A bunch of worldly movies, a bunch of worldly music, a bunch of lustful images, a bunch of wicked influencers, a bunch of uh, uh, covetous images, and then your insides are just going to be full of darkness. So this is the answer. What, you say, I don't understand, man, man. Some people just like love God. They're just like on fire for God, and I'm not. Here, here's, here's the difference. They're singularly focused on the right light. 
I used to be on fire for God, and I'm not. What happened? Here's what happened. You used to be singularly focused on the right life. I'd like to get right with God. What do I do? Get singularly focused on the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you got one window, and it's singularly focused on the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ, your whole body will be full of light. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this passage of Scripture, These just these few verses that teach a powerful truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be singularly focused because what we allow into our eyes and through our ears It will, no doubt about it, it will have an impact on us. And Lord, I pray you'd help us. Help us to be full of light, the right light, the Lord Jesus Christ, that our whole body might be full of light. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're now, Brother Moses, come up and lead us in a final song. I just want to remind you that if you've not yet signed up for the Soul Winning Seminar, make sure you do that.